it's Coalfield and Company. Thank God it's... Cofield Company on a Friday, Friday afternoon. Company takeover. Willie Ramirez, Adam Candy, Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Willie, is it Friday for real? Is it your Friday? Or is this just another day when you got the kind of jobs that you do? Adam, I don't remember the last time that I thanked God for a Friday. I just thank God that I can get up in the morning every single day. Um, I, I, and to be honest with you, pre-pandemic, before last summer, from 2012 through the last day of sports in March 2020, I hadn't had a day off legitimately because in the sports betting business, as you know, you dabble in sports handicapping. You understand the business. There are only four, three or four days the entire calendar year where there's nothing horse racing you can bet on, but there's really nothing to bet on of the majors. But from 2012 through 19, I was covering the NBA summer league that same week of the major league baseball all-star game. So uh, the pandemic, obviously I had a unexpected months off last year, but since sports have started back up, haven't had one day off. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. It does not fit in my worldview. Uh, it's it's a Friday. I thought we're gonna we're gonna try to bring a little less of the oh my god, Willie hasn't had a day off energy, which we feel bad for you. We feel terrible for you. Uh, hey, uh, well, I will say this. I will say this. I can dictate my hours. I do have deadlines to meet. I've been to the gym today. Uh, I'm gonna go have a nice dinner to celebrate. My mother and stepfather's 39th anniversary. We're gonna hit it. Uh, we're gonna hit hit an old school joint. You'll appreciate. I'm gonna go to Piero's. So I, I'm still um, enjoying time. It's just you know, at some point in time throughout every single day, I'm working. Well, Piero's is a nice little break. That is some very old school Vegas. I I went to school with the Glossmans. That was a long time ago. Good goodness gracious. All Which right. one? Evan, uh, trending at three is not that. It okay. is a lot of other stuff. It's trending at three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Oh, we, we, there's going to come a day, and I promise you this. I promise you this. There's going to come a day when we can start this show and not have major vaccine news to talk about. And that day is not today. Uh, the NBA is making some of the biggest news here today, guys. Uh, announcement coming out via Shams that the National Basketball Association will require anyone who deals with players and referees in person to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Uh, that covers coaches, that covers media, arena staff, anybody who might interface with the players. Uh, Adam Silver coming out and taking one of the larger stands that any of the major professional sports organizations have taken. Uh, obviously, we saw the NBA, like every league last year, Willie, have uh, serious disruptions based on COVID and players who uh, who contracted 
the virus. Uh, but but the NBA is kind of trying to cut this one off at the pass here, it seems, by taking uh, about as strong a stand as we've seen. NFL, of course, uh, mandated for anybody who was team personnel. Um, I, quick question, yes or no, and then I'll give you my feedback. Just quick yes or no. Do you have a problem with this? Do I have a problem with the uh, with the decision by the NBA? I, I don't because I think the NBA is trying to protect its products. The NBA is a business that is ultimately saying we know that our players and our officials to some degree uh, have a major impact on the game and a major impact on our business. And we're trying to do everything we can to protect that business. And of course, they cannot mandate it for the players or for the referees straight out because both of those groups have collective bargaining. Okay. So here, I, I don't have a problem with, with the message that's being sent, but here's my question. Um, the following NBA personnel must be fully vaccinated in order to conduct in-person interactions with players and refs. So it's all NBA personnel, but those players and refs that are married and going home or that have children or have teenage kids, what's the difference? So that's my only question um, is how they're going to handle that because if you're going to require the outside, you know, the others that are inter interacting with the players and refs whom they can't mandate, but the coaching staff, medical performance staff, equipment, front office, player development team, all these people, how do you how do you answer for when they have home games and they're going home to their families? And what if they're not vaccinated? Absolutely. And, and it's a legitimate question that is going to have to be answered through the negotiations between the NBA and the Players Association and the NBA and the Referees Association, because everyone's got to hold up their end of this one way or the other. The NBA chose to go and take care of the folks that basically don't have a choice. Right. The NBA is saying we, we can't make this happen specifically for players. We can't make this happen specifically for referees without going through their bargaining units. And I would expect that we're probably going to hear more about that before the season gets here. And honestly, Will, it's, it's the same thing right now is going on for the NFL. Uh, the NFL and its Players Association are trying to adjust to the new environment with the Delta variant and what it means for them as well. Uh, we heard yesterday that the NFL still would like to be able to implement a mandate for players, even though 93% of players have been vaccinated, close to 99% of coaches and staff. Uh, they have tried to come to an agreement with the Players Association, but we hear today the Players Association wants to basically go to daily testing, vaccinated or unvaccinated. The, the uh, NFL would like to move it to where vaccinated players are tested more often from every 14 days to every seven days. Now, Will, you've been living inside this. I mean, you've been out there at camp and around the Raiders and and covering the uh, covering the team here in training camp. Uh, what's the environment been like for for the media and for everybody who's been around the team when it comes to dealing with COVID? It's 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 an odd situation, not because of anything that we're not used to at this point in time. Um, you know, it's it's somewhat the same as we felt last year in terms of having to be masked, isolated to the media room only. Um, the one difference is we're not on Zoom. They're bringing the players and coaches into the uh, interview room. They're not masked, nor are the employees that we're interacting with who will stand around with us while we're watching practice, which ended uh, actually yesterday. So they're now treating it like uh, regular season practices. Training camp, per se, is over with the Raiders. So 
Um, I didn't go out there today, but media, you can go watch um, stretching. And then they go right back to the media room and you wait an hour or so, hour and a half before practice. And then they bring in whomever is going to speak that day. So um, we have to stay masked. We have to keep somewhat of a distance. But in reality, we're walking right by the field um, at one point where at, at the far end of the practice field where the doors, the, these big roll-up doors, um, like a warehouse going that takes you to the inside where the weight room and then beyond that is the indoor practice field. Um, and a lot of the media members would stand there. Two reasons. One is because they would do some offensive uh, DB, uh, wide receiver DB drills down that way. And two, it's, there's air conditioning blowing out that door so we could see everything that's going on and we kind of stand there to cool off. But one or two of those days, Daniel Carlson, while he was still on the COVID list, was in full uniform and would stand at that same door at, you know, one of the other doors, distanced from us, but no mask, fully dressed, but he was uh, he was still on the list. So I'm not sure if it was because he was 12 days on the list and two days out or whatever it may have been. So... It's very, very strange um, in terms of how they apply these rules and, and what they all mean and how they determine who gets masked and how close you can come. And the fact that you're in a room and of um, if you're in, in the media room with, let's say, 15, 20 member, media members, and at some point you're taking a drink of water, you're breathing, it, some may have a certain mask, some, who knows? I, I, to be honest with you, Adam, I don't know the, whole, the scientific edge of it. I'm not a scientist. I'm a writer. But... You're bringing unmasked coaches and players and personnel in there. So they're breathing the same air. Whether the mask is catching everything, I don't know. So I don't get it. I just know that we have to wear masks. And we've gotten used to it because we've been doing it for more than a year now, wherever you go, grocery stores, you know, gyms, so on and so forth. And uh, so, yeah, it's the only real difference has been the fact that they're bringing them in in person. We don't get to pick the players we don't we you're not being able to walk up and and interview whoever you want locker rooms aren't open we got that word that came down so um you know that's that's where we're at and today it started where there's no more viewing practice well this is a situation that for the player association and for the the league that i think is going to be very difficult to resolve because we're talking about now a very small percentage of the players who are still holdouts. I mean, seven percent. Seven percent of the players are still holdouts when it comes to the vaccine. But that seven percent is the Cole Beasley seven percent. This is the loud, strongly held opinion group, and for them to come to some sort of consensus with that much, uh, with that much pressure already on these guys, with that much already at stake in terms of. We saw the NFL come out and say how much more stringent the protocols will be throughout the season for players who choose to be unvaccinated. Uh, they're going to be under much heavier guard. They're not going to be able to go out on the road. They're not going to be able to be in the same room with certain people. So it's going to be a big thing uh, for teams to try to figure out if the peer pressure hasn't gotten them yet. I'm just not sure whether it will. Um, there is a situation, though. There is a situation we've seen where some players do see the competitive advantage, uh, one of them we know was Jameis Winston. Uh, Jameis Winston was in a quarterback battle with Taysom Hill. I'm not quite sure. Um, not quite sure why he was in a quarterback battle with Taysom Hill, but Jameis Winston has been named the starter in New Orleans. Uh, Jameis Winston 
who is a guy who not all that long ago had a 50-touchdown season to his credit. Not all that long ago had a 30-interception season to his credit. Uh, you get the good, you get the bad uh, when it comes to Jameis. But Willie, uh, to me, I don't necessarily know why this was something that dragged out this far into camp uh, because Jameis Winston, to me, offers a fire, far higher upside than Taysom Hill. I agree. And the only thing that I could think of quite possibly is and I'm not insinuating that he had any off-field issues, but maybe coming in, they wanted to make sure that maybe he was, you know, mentally prepared to take over such a high-profile offense coming off of, you know, obviously a Hall of Famer that was running this offense for so long. And just to sort of make sure that he was on the same page as the coaches, make sure that the, the chemistry was right. Beyond, it, it was beyond what – it had to have been beyond what he's capable of doing on the field physically – you know, talent-wise, it had to have been the communication and chemistry with the players, the the sort of you know the chemistry he has with the with the coaches, um, understanding the schematics behind, and 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 just being able to grasp hold as the top dog, or just without saying going in to training camp and and creating a little bit of a competitive fire, you know, for Jameis Winston to to chase a little bit more and come in and and maybe create a little bit of a competitive edge and, and and get his get his you know get his fire started a little bit early it, it, it we don't know and I agree with you 100% I think it was a given and I think we all thought immediately that you know when you saw this at the beginning of training camp okay well James Woodson's gonna run away with this um, I there's really no telling I can only imagine that it you know they just kind of wanted to get a look and see how he was going to do from a leadership standpoint, with this, I mean, we've seen it, right? He's 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 led an offense before, but with this particular system, Sean Payton coming off of who used to run this this offense, um, and they just wanted to be sure, or again, they just wanted to uh, you know leave a little bit of a mystery out there and and make sure that he stayed hungry. I will leave no mystery, none. If you are <laughs> waiting to find out if. Now is when we are giving away tickets here on ESPN Las Vegas. There's no mystery. It is. It's right now. The winner, the caller, number 11, who gets to my man Ari, gets four tickets to the Vegas Kickoff Classic, BYU against Arizona. That's next Saturday, September the 4th at Allegiant Stadium. You can secure your tickets at LVBowl.com if you're not able to get them right here. But 364-1100, 364 Zero, zero. Caller number 11 gets those tickets right now. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All company, no Cofield. Friday rolling on. Willie Ramirez, me, Adam Candy, Ari back at the Finley Toyota Studios, keeping us on track. Congratulations to Jim. Jim gets four tickets to the kickoff classic, BYU and Arizona at Allegiant Stadium. That's in about a week. Uh, the day before that will be UNLV kicking off its season against Eastern Washington. Um, Mountain West today 
made some news. Mountain West announcing, not terribly surprising, William. We've seen this come out from other conferences as well. But Mountain West announcing for all sports across the board that if you do not have the sufficient amount of players to play a game, and they're not setting the threshold themselves. They're basically saying to the university, if you can't play this game, if you don't have the players, if your COVID situation is such that you are not able to do this, it's a forfeit. Uh, if it's two Mountain West teams against each other and neither can play, it's declared a no contest. But the Mountain West kind of going along with some other conferences across the country and saying, all right, we're not mandating the the vaccine as a conference. We certainly can't do that. It's an individual uh, state, and conf- uh, state and university decision. But we certainly can say that this is how we're handling games from now on. I would think that would be at least a little bit more incentive uh, for some schools and teams. Exactly. And I do not have one issue with this or any other conference that has put this particular rule out there in terms of no rescheduled games. Instead of mandating the vaccine, whether it's pro or college, I like this because now what you do is you put it upon those who have decided not to get vaccine, right? More so than those who have decided to get vaccine. That, okay, you don't want to get vaccine, but you need to follow protocol during the season to do whatever you can to stay safe, to keep things, you know, if that means on the road, you stay isolated in your hotel room and you don't do anything, then you don't do anything. If you are at home, if you play for UNLV and you've decided not to get vaccine, then that means during the season, you go to practice, you go to class, you wear a mask everywhere you go. And you go, whatever the rules are that apply, then you follow them to a T and you don't go anywhere. You stay home if, if you're, you stay in your dorm. And that's the way it is because you've made a commitment to a program, which has made a commitment to a conference, which has made a commitment to uh, the NC2A, AA. And so I have no problem with this or any other conference that's come up with this rule. You don't, you can't field a team. That's your tough luck. Look, last year, everybody did what they had to do, uh, especially the conferences with their TV partners, to try to get games on the air. It was a scramble. Nobody knew what we were dealing with. There was no vaccine. There were no other options available. And this year, there are other options. And the conference itself is not going to mandate. That conference itself doesn't have the place to mandate that. But the conference is going to protect its TV contracts. It's going to protect the integrity of its competitions. So we need to make sure here that the Mountain West or the SEC or anybody who else who makes this decision is putting everybody on as level of a playing field as possible. And this does that. This puts everybody on the same playing field before the season. We tell you, look, here's the deal. We're not telling you that here is the minimum amount of players you have to have. We've done that in the past. We're not saying to you that you have to reach a vaccine threshold. Uh, It's not like in professional sports where, let's say, in Major League Baseball, teams that get to 85% are going to be under significantly less restrictions and have been all year uh, than teams that haven't. So the conference is basically going out there and saying, we have our biggest interest and our biggest interest as a conference. Yes, of course, it's the student athletes. But beyond that, it's the TV money that keeps all this thing going. Uh, And they're going to make sure that those games are kept sacred as best as possible. And that if someone can't play one, it doesn't affect everybody else. I mean, think about what we went through, Willie, last year with Oregon and Washington uh, in the Pac-12 where, you know, we have a team that wins the conference and then can't actually represent the conference in the championship game. 
Yep. Uh, I saw an interesting reply to our good friend Mike Gramala's tweet when the Mountain West um, sent that out because I got I got the the email like I'm sure you did and everybody else in the media at the same time. Mike put out Mountain West announces there'll be no rescheduled game. Blah blah. Everything we just talked about. Interesting reply from SKA Mike. What if it's both? Because we had last year, I believe that we we saw some where where two teams came up and neither. You know, or they had X amount of number, whether they could field, uh, you know, and they decided not to uh, field a, or play the game. What if it's both? Is it a draw? Loss goes to more severe outbreak. Loss goes to the first team to announce the cases. I wonder if that's been thought of. I didn't read through the entire email because I haven't had a chance to. I've been uh, dealing with some other stuff and been on Raiders deadline. But uh, if if it's if it's two teams that have substantial number of COVID cases. So the the Mountain West did account for that. The Mountain West okay. said that if if neither team can play, it's declared a no contest. So nobody's taking a loss. They're not saying gotcha. one uh ha, you know one caused it versus uh versus the other. And so essentially that game will be wiped out for uh for both teams and nobody will end up with a win or a loss. Uh the forfeit obviously only applies when one team can't go. So the onus does fall then upon the universities. Uh, we're going to talk a little more college football here in just a moment with Joe Reedy from L.A. He covers UCLA football. A uh, pretty famous alum from Bishop Gorman High School will be at the helm for the Bruins as they open against Hawaii this weekend. More in a minute on Cofield & Company. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Cofield and Company Friday afternoon. College football is in the air. Week zero, it's a real thing. It has a zero. Week one is next week. Uh, that's when we get some of the big boys taking the field. Uh, we'll get Clemson and Georgia next week. We'll get Florida State and Notre Dame. Uh, the Blue Bloods will be out. In fact, well, some of the Blue Bloods will be on the field this coming week in Week Zero. One of those Blue Bloods, UCLA, gets going against Hawaii as Chip Kelly tries to get the ship going to the top of the Pac-12. And happy that uh, we can have Joe Reedy join us to talk a little bit of college football, maybe a little NFL as well. Joe, what's happening on Friday for you, man? Uh, you know, just a calm, calm Friday late in August. Uh, college football about to start, NFL preseason winding down, and uh, pennant races alive and kicking, as well as uh, both Saratoga and Del Mar going. So, you know, you another lazy Friday. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely nothing happening on a Friday, and we haven't even started the real storm of everything yet. Uh, UCLA gets going here, as you mentioned, against Hawaii. Uh, we know that the Vegas angle, uh, we know the folks are backing UCLA quite heavily. They uh, have nearly doubled on the spread, up to about 17.5 points, favorite over Hawaii. Uh, what's the feel around the Bruins and uh, how they feel getting ready for week zero? I think there's, there is optimism because for the first time in Chip Kelly's four years, he's got experience. He's got 20 starters back, uh, 10 on each 10 on each side of the ball. Uh, the two losses 
One's a defensive lineman. The other one is Demetric Felton. But they've got two talented running backs returning in the defensive line, I think, uh, with uh, O.C. Uh, graduating, we'll be, we'll be able to withstand that, too. But it's an important year for Chip also because – if he doesn't get seven wins or more in year four of uh, his tenure, he's got only one year of the contract remaining. It's going to be tough to bring him back for year five because we didn't. There weren't fans at the Rose Bowl last year, obviously, with um, every every other most other stadiums. But you know, the past five six years, attendance has really plummeted at the Rose Bowl. It almost seems like. For some of these Pac-12 and non-conference games, we're, we're searching on where on uh, lowest attended Rose Bowl crowds we're, we're getting at. And that's not a good sign, especially when it's uh, most of those games during the past two or three years. So if Chip doesn't do it this year, it's going to be hard to see when he ever does it. And Joe, that's I was going to ask you before we brought that local, before we bring the obvious local angle up, I was going to ask you about if it was Chip's make or break year. You and I had a chance to to talk earlier today, just um, in that you know Dorian Thompson Robinson, graduate from um, Bishop Gorman, started off as a wide receiver and the backup quarterback to Tate Martell, who's now at UNLV, um, but. Emerged, went to the Elite Eleven, um, the, and and it was in the same group as Trevor Lawrence and and Justin Fields up at up at Beaverton, Oregon, with, with the Nike Elite Camp. Um, top dual, th- one of the top three dual threat quarterbacks his senior year, and he sort of gets thrust into the into the uh, into the spotlight, into the starting role there it, with Chip, and it, it's it's somewhat been a tough tenure for Dorian however there have been certain at certain adversities that he has faced where he's really come out you know shining and he's he's looked a lot better than people may have expected and then you turn around and you're having to give him credit where people were were dogging him I remember what was it I believe it was the Washington State game a couple years ago and the first half Twitter was blown up ready to just get rid of him and then by the end of the game everybody loved him just talk about the, you know, his his career at UCLA so far, and, and and about DTR and how he's emerged and where he's at coming into this season, mentally and physically. Colorado, Colorado game, I think, was the uh, same case last year, where people were wondering, you know, how much how much more patience does Chip have with this guy, and then he uh, then DTR becomes the first uh, UCLA quarterback ever to have 300 yards passing and 100 yards rushing in the same game. Uh, first, you know, really showed that game what a dual-threat quarterback he can be. Um, and I think Chip brings it up a couple times, and, and it's vitally important for, for everybody to note that while he was in that elite camp with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, those guys had three, four years to be a quarterback in high school. Dorian basically had only one year to be a quarterback in high school. So when he came to UCLA, it was also with, you know, limited snaps compared to, you know, some of, some of those other guys. And he's kind of had to learn the rigors of being, being the quarterback and being the man. And I think he has. 
you know, the freshman year proved a lot, sophomore year, and then last year they they were they were three and four, but the four losses were by combined fifteen points. They never really were out of games, and I think that competition angle is something that uh, will show up. He's got the receivers this time. He has a very good running game that's deep, which should also help him on read options and everything. This is really one of those cases where with Chip's offense, we can see the full potential and also maybe see what Dorian, what his potential can be, you know, as a dual threat quarterback. Arm has improved. Decision-making has improved. Uh, Turnovers is going to be a key thing this year. I think they had 13 turnovers. Opponents scored 11 times off those turnovers last year, 10 being touchdowns. So if he can get the turnovers down and the decision-making improves, I think he's in for a breakout year. Joe Reedy joining us from L.A. talking uh, not only UCLA football, but a little bit about the conference at large. We've heard plenty about the Pac-12 here over the last couple of weeks, whether it's about the scheduling alliance uh, with the ACC and the Big Ten or their own plans uh, to expand or to not expand as they ultimately decided uh, this week. Uh, were you surprised at all that the conference decided to stick with its current membership? Right now, no, because I think everybody wants to see how this alliance thing shakes out. I think, you know, it, it, but the the alliance, it's like there's no no formal agreement and a handshake and stuff. It's I, I don't know what everybody has to make out of it. So, you know, we'll see the next couple of years. But I do think if, you know, things, if there are cracks in the alliance, then a look to 16 is very much in the realm of possibilities. Now, when you look at expansion and 16, it's you know they've got most of they've got most of the big schools in the in the uh, Pacific and Mountain time zones that are under that American Association of Universities. The new commissioner has said that that is not a prerequisite for membership, which I think in the case of UNLV that that is a very good development because I also think the conference would want to look. At adding UNLV, obviously the, the major championships are there with Allegiant Stadium now as, a, as, the, uh, as the home stadium for UNLV. That, that is certainly a great benefit, too. The arena's always, you know, been good. So there is definitely a lot to offer. I don't know if BYU would be in that mix, too, because, you know, with the Olympic sports and non-revenue sports, where you, how do you negotiate that Sunday scheduling thing? And then, you know, do they do they go into the central time zone for a TCU and Texas Tech and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? I would think out of the three of those, TCU might be the most likely, especially since at one time they were looking at the Mountain West. And traveling and stuff before all this before all of a sudden they went to the Big Twelve. So I think maybe for now realignments off the table. But as we know in college athletics, especially when the plates start shifting with all the realignment stuff, I think it's still kind of wait and see. 
Well, that's that's pretty much what we all have to do at this point when it comes to realignment, the, the governance structure that's going on uh, with the new committee from Mark Emmert and company. There's there's a lot to be sorted out. Uh, I guarantee we'll be we'll be chatting with you again before too long to figure out uh, more about what's going on. Joe Reedy covers UCLA, Pac-12, and many other things uh, in Los Angeles. And uh, Joe, we appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Joe. No problem. Take care. When we come back, we're going to dive into the legal side of things with our man Xavier Pope in just a moment here on Cofield & Company. It's frustrating. It's challenging. Uh, However you want to say it, you know, I can't make the decision for him. Now, back to Cofield & Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Bills head coach Sean McDermott, who just got a number of players, including... Maybe the loudest anti-vaccine voice in the NFL, Cole Beasley, back from the COVID-19 list today. It's Cofield and Company on your Friday afternoon. Cofield traversing the East Coast, hitting all his old haunts. Are you celebrating because Cofield is not here? I yell at him far less. I feel guilty for that. I probably should start yelling more. Uh, maybe we can work on that as the show goes on, uh, Ari. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it if I can. Uh, the Bills are quite the situation. Um, this roster, as we talked about yesterday, is built to win. They've got the pieces. There's no question talent-wise that they can do this. Organizationally, they have done yeoman's work in putting this team together. And yet, and yet, the vaccine situation does at least threaten to tear apart the uh, the fabric of this locker room uh, Xavier Pope, one of our legal insiders, uh, posited earlier today a question to everybody on Twitter and said, who will be the first NFL team to forfeit a game? Uh, Xavier, what's your opinion on that? Who, who do you think will be the first NFL team that has to forfeit a game because of COVID? Yeah, it was, what's, what's up, man? I, I, I saw a lot of different responses. Some people said the Eagles. Some people said the Titans. Some people said... The Vikings, I don't think it would be them. Um, some people have said the Bills. But I think the most res- the most common responses I've received from that tweet were the Titans and the Bills. And we saw the Titans had issues mm-hmm. last year. Uh, and my bet's on the Titans. Uh, they've had some issues uh, with various team personnel and players um, contracting COVID. And I, I had a really interesting response also that you know, there's an extra week in the season and that – this, that the NFL still won't, at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, lose money. I think that's still that's still on the table. That the NFL still will maybe potentially balk, but I think it might be the Titans. I think my my money's on the Titans. What's your what's your money on, Adam? I mean, I probably have to split that bet between the Titans and the Bills. But yeah. the Titans, look, man. I mean that that situation last year. I think there's an important distinction about last year. They had a huge outbreak, and you still had players who weren't respecting the protocols even when they had the outbreak, going out to a private school to work out when they were supposed to be at home quarantining. And now you have another outbreak, and we're actually going to talk about it a little later in the show. We've got Titans GM John Robinson, some audio from him uh, discussing their situation. But, man, oh, man, I I don't know how you bet against the Titans with as much trouble as they've had down there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the most surprising developments you saw was was on, uh, Dallas Cowboys 
owner Jerry Jones and come out and make some of the most uh, smart comments we've seen about the the vac- about the vaccine and 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 you're seeing him couch it in the the form of hey this is what you do to dedicate yourself to your team and I think that that is the proper language to use hey this is for your team this is how you contribute to your the culture of winning. And I think that will potentially spread in terms of how coaches, how general managers get guys to, hey, get vaccinated, be safe, but it may not necessarily resonate with all the guys. And that's, that's the issue that the Titans face of two seasons in a row. Xavier, you can find on Twitter at Xavier Pope. That's with an E in front. Host of Suit Up News, best dressed man, as he would say. Uh, the question, of course, is, where does Cam Newton rank in your best dressed players list? How how mm. high up does Cam get on the rankings? I think it depends on the Sunday, right? <laughs> Some mm-hmm. Sundays you're like mm-hmm. this guy is 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 cleaner than the board of health, and other times it's like <laughs> is this a Batman villain? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think <laughs> that know, sets like, a pretty good range on it. Right yeah. Now? So you you know so either he's at the top or he's somewhere at the bottom. It's the middle of the week. I don't you know you don't know what the guys doing sometimes. Well, uh, I, a little bit of an easy segue into talking about uh, well, obviously the bigger problems that Cam has. Uh, obviously, he's not invested in the team culture. Obviously, he's not uh, serious about uh, wanting to be the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. And you know why, Xavier? Uh, because because of the rap music. Uh, because because obviously he wants to dance at practice uh, to the rap music. And if you think I'm being sarcastic, I am. Uh, we're going to get into the actual audio from uh, Boston radio host Scott Zolak later on. But I'm, I, I don't know what to do with stuff like this, man. I just don't. Scott Zolak earlier today said that Cam Newton can fix his situation by turning off the rap music. Uh, he's distracted. He's dancing. He's not paying attention. He's not taking things seriously. I... I can you fix stupid, or, or or do you just have to let things like that be? No, you don't let things like that be. And I think that Scott Zolek is emblematic of a time that we're living in where people feel they can say explicitly racist things and racial stereotypes and feel like it's okay, and people will actually support them in that. Um, people are entitled to do whatever it is they do. What, what if he was listening to The Stones? Uh, it was is now he's listening to too much rock music. He's not. No one's gonna. He's not gonna say that. You know. And you we haven't had people in Cam Newton's position in a town like Boston that had its own had its issues on and off the field. You saw that with Kyrie Irving, and then you see it now with with Cam Newton when you have a certain perception of who the quarterback should be, what he should look like, how he should behave himself. And I think it's a disgusting. And I think people like Scott Zolak shouldn't be on the radio. He needs to get yanked from his spot, and he needs to be able to learn a lesson. He needs to get fined or whatever he needs to do. But, but it, he definitely doesn't need to be on the radio tomorrow morning, I'll tell you that much. And to be clear, it's, you know, it's code. It's coded language. It's using rap music to say something else, like you just said. Could it be the Rolling Stones? Of course. Would he have a problem with Cam dancing then? I don't know, but I doubt it. And then he went on the other side of it and said, well, Mac Jones shows up to work. He shows up and he's taking care of business and all the other code that you get out of that on uh, on the other side. And I'm glad that we have a chance to to talk about it the right way uh, here on. Code I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to be straight up. You know, you, you, that stuff is code, but we know what it means. 
in our culture, mm-hmm. and we have to be really, really upfront and say, oh, "This is this is what this sounds like." We know we know racism when it when it when we see it, and it's been traditionally applied to hardworking white quarterbacks and hippity hop black quarterbacks, and it's something that's disgusting, and the language needs to get out of the sport. Well. Let's keep it kind of in the uh, in the general arena here, but uh, a little bit different. Um, school district in Waukesha, Wisconsin, decided to opt out of a federally funded program that provides all students with free lunch re- uh, regardless of income status. Um, according to the Washington Post, one board member said the program made it easy for families to, quote, become spoiled, end quote. Um Xavier, I, we're really having the same discussion here in a different way, aren't we? Yeah, we are. I mean, we saw that in that particular district that disproportionately impacts communities of color. But what also what was stated was that they will the students will expect if you give them lunch on Monday, they'll expect it on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I mean, that's kind of how free lunch works. You get lunch every day. Cool. <laughs> it's not. It's not okay. You only get lunch on pizza day or Taco Bell day or Burger Day. You get lunch every day, and that's how it works. And uh, it's insulting to the people of that community. And I think it's it's an emblematic. You know, once I, once again, I'm the emblematic of this emblematic of this time when people feel they have to fight these cultural wars, um, and there's real lives at stake. I mean. Fighting these things by proxy over whether kids get free lunch. Stop it. Just stop it. I, I don't care. I, I don't care what you think you're saying by doing this in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I've worked. My mother was a school principal. I've worked in schools. You want to see the kids who come into the classroom who haven't had a chance to eat breakfast, who don't get the free breakfast either? But the kids who don't who don't have anything for lunch, and you think that they're going to become spo- what spoiled because they got a meal, spoiled because they can actually show up and learn? It's just insane to me. Yeah, I mean, and and the, the these are kids, and if you don't see kids like kids, then what do you see them as? And that's the that's the bigger issue. Is a, a much bigger issue. Uh, Xavier, uh, tell the folks what you've got uh, going on here as we get uh, close up to NFL season. Yeah, we got the latest episode of Suit Up News, hashtag Suit Up News. You can hit the hashtag to see the latest episode or go to my Twitter timeline, adding Xavier Pope, E-X-A-B-I-E-R-P-O-P-E. We're talking about the impact of the uh, the, the, the the recent FDA approving vaccines uh, for Pfizer and how does that impact sports. You just saw the NBA just now. Uh, come down with the mag vaccine mandate and how it's impacting our society. And we talked about that a little bit earlier, uh, Xavier, but uh, for anybody who wasn't listening, NBA has basically said, if you interact with players or ref- or referees, the two collective bargaining groups uh, in the NBA, you, you have to be vaccinated. And it feels like we're going to see more, not just professional sports organizations, but businesses go in this direction. Absolutely. And, and we see that in the NFL, there was an announcement today that the NFL is, pressing on the NFLPA on vaccine mandates as well. And I think they might get it. Um, but we also see, uh, I, say, I said this in the latest episode of Suit Up News, there are some recent studies from various employment law firms that stated that a lot of em- employers are worried that they're going to lose employees, particularly in the Southeast where, where cases are rising. And so you're still, you still have to get businesses to get to persuaded a little bit more to get on board with vaccine mandates. We're not necessarily there yet, but it's starting to get there. 
Xavier, always a great spot, man. Thanks for very much for your time, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. It's Xavier Pope, our legal insider uh, here at Cofield and Company. Uh, it's it bears watching, and, and he made a very good point talking about the Southeast in particular, where the rates of COVID infection have spiked. Um, I mean, we've seen some employers, I believe it was Tyson Chicken earlier this week, offering big, big bucks to their employees to be vaccinated because at some point it is going to slow down everything. It's going to go beyond sports and we're going to be kind of back where we were last year, which is just a sad thing to even have a even have a thought of. We're going to try to get to happier thoughts. Football starting tomorrow. College football week zero. NFL just a couple of weeks away. Football frenzy on the other side here on Cofield and Company. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.